Wonderful, wonderful. Well, it's great to be with everyone here tonight. We've had a fantastic weekend. All weekend, Holy Spirit's been moving, and it's just been wonderful in the anointing. How many have been touched by the anointing throughout this weekend? Somewhere touched by the presence of God, the anointing, the Word of God. And I know I've had a wonderful time. Steph's had a wonderful time here. We love your hearts. We love what God's doing here. We love your vision, the Spirit, everything. Hallelujah. Shakarabanda. I think we should just all get raptured right now. No. <laughs> no, we can't get raptured yet. Hallelujah. Everybody just put your hand on your heart for a moment. Is it beating? Good. We don't have to raise anyone from the dead tonight. No, just <laughs> thank you, Lord Father. In the name of Jesus, Lord, we thank you tonight. Father, for your presence. Lord, your presence that doesn't just fill this room, but your presence that fills our hearts. Your presence that fills us on the inside. And Holy Spirit, tonight we acknowledge your presence in this place. And Father, we acknowledge that you are doing a new thing. And Lord, tonight we just pray that you would cause our hearts to be ushered into the new thing that you are doing. Father, that we would fully yield and surrender all to you by your grace in Jesus name we pray and all God's people said amen. amen amen tonight if you have your Bibles I want you to turn with me over to first Samuel chapter 10 I want to start here tonight and while you're turning there I'll, I'll just quickly say we do uh, as a ministry, you know, we're constantly trying to resource the body of Christ. And uh, our web designer recently created a phone app for, for the ministry. And you could download it if you have an iPhone. You could go to uh, whatever, the iTunes store. Just do a search for Matt Sorger or Matt Sorger Ministries. You'll find our phone app. It's free. Download it to your phone. It's got like 40 translations of the Bible 10 different languages of the Bible. It has audio versions of the Bible and uh, also tons of videos and audios free for you to listen to and watch all the time. So it's just a resource that, that we've put together. So uh, yeah, so check that out. And also we do have an email that we send out. We call it a power email. And it has teachings that we send out and just reports about what God is doing in this hour, prophetic, at times prophetic words. So if you want to sign up for that, I haven't really announced it throughout the weekend, but we do have on our table a sign-up sheet. You could put your email on there, and then you could get our email. That comes out once a week. Praise God. Let's see. Then we also, myself and Steph, are going to hang out in the resource room right after the service. And tonight, I feel like a theme in my heart on resurrection. And I just feel like it's something God is speaking. And uh, we have this whole series on it, Living in Resurrection Power. How many want every area of your life to come, to come to life? You want God's resurrection power to touch every area of your life. Well, we've got this teaching set on living in resurrection power, the third day church. And I really feel it's very prophetic for where we're at right now. And then this is a great series for people that are being trained by God, raised up by God to fulfill a call or a destiny that's on your life. And it's, it's all you called or chosen. And the whole thing is about how you, you know, pass the different tests in the process. 
and how you mature into the anointing and mature into the mantle that God has for your life. You know, it's one thing to get anointed. It's one thing to receive a mantle from the Holy Spirit. It's another thing to grow into that anointing to the point where, number one, it manifests in its maximum potential and its maximum fullness. But also, you want to be able to carry that anointing for the long haul. You don't want to be anointed just for a season. You want to be anointed until you're in heaven. And you want to keep going higher. Right? So we teach you all of that in the series. So it's a, I believe it's a great series, especially for folks that want to really mature in their call and mature in the anointing God has for them. First Samuel chapter 10. I was thinking of this before service tonight, and it's an amazing portion of scripture. And I don't know about you, but I am very aware that everything we see God do, every miracle, every breakthrough, every deliverance, I have a revelation of something. I know that it's not me. I know it's all God. And when we understand the source and we understand how that anointing is on the inside of us, but yet it's not us. There is something that happens when the anointing touches your life. There's something that happens when the glory of God fills your life. And here in 1 Samuel chapter 10, we see the account of Saul being anointed to be king. And the prophet comes, pours oil on his head, anoints him to be king. And there's a very powerful statement in 1 Samuel 10 verse 6. It says, the spirit of the Lord will come upon you mightily. And you will show yourself to be a prophet. Now, this is interesting because he wasn't anointed to be prophet. He was anointed to be king. But yet it says you'll show yourself to be prophet with them and you will be turned into another man. And when these signs meet you, do whatever you find to be done for God is with you. So basically what the prophet says to him in the rest of this account of scripture that I'm going to anoint you with oil. A band of prophets are going to come playing musical instruments. They're going to be singing, prophesying. And when they come near you, the spirit that's on them is going to transfer onto you. And you're going to start prophesying. And this is exactly what happens. Saul begins to prophesy. And all the people say, is Saul a prophet? And the prophet says, this anointing will come upon you and it will change you into another person. It'll change you into another man. Now, when God calls you to do something, it will usually be something way bigger than you can accomplish in your own strength and ability. And God wants it to be that way because he wants, number one, he wants to get all the glory. And number two, he wants you to know that it's not you, but it's him. So he will on purpose call you to something bigger than yourself. And he may at times even call you to do something you don't think you can do. Or he may call you to do something that you don't even feel qualified to do. But Paul said, I don't boast in anything except my weaknesses. Because when I'm weak, then I'm strong. And I've learned that even in our weaknesses, God will anoint us. And there's something glorious about the anointing. The anointing or the presence changes you. It changes you. How many here have discovered that you can't change yourself? How many here have tried to change yourself? How many here have gotten up in the morning and said, I am not going to do that again? 
I mean, you make yourself a promise in the morning or you make God a promise in the morning. God, I am not going to do that again. I'm not going to have that attitude again. I'm not going to have that reaction again. I am not going to think that thought again. I'm not going to do it again. Don't even bother telling God that because he already knows you're lying. You see, if we lean on the arm of flesh or if we lean on our own ability or our own capacity, we'll always fall short. But there's a place God wants to bring us to where we lean fully on his grace and we lean fully on him to change us. And then we work in cooperation with God and a glorious transformation takes place. And God will anoint you. In fact, the anointing will shock you. In fact, the anointing will surprise you. The anointing will cause you to do things you could never do on your own. And just like the people said, is Saul a prophet? No, he wasn't a prophet. But when the anointing came upon him, it's like he became a prophet. And when the anointing of God comes upon your life, you will say things, you will do things that are way bigger than you. I remember the first time I was in college, I was in early in university. This was before Bible school. I was early in university. And a group of us students were in a college dorm praying, having a prayer meeting. And we were standing in a circle praying. And as we're praying, see, I had grown up in a spirit-filled church, but it was not overly charismatic. It was conservative spirit-filled. And I had not been groomed in the prophetic. I had not been groomed in miracles. I had not been groomed in the anointing of God. Everything I've learned has been taught by the Holy Spirit because I was not raised in it. I wasn't modeled it. You're very blessed when you get to be in an environment where it's modeled for you and you could learn and be groomed and gleaned from the movings of the Holy Spirit. And I remember I was in this dorm room and we're standing in a circle praying. And all of a sudden, as we're praying, my eyes are closed, and it feels like someone puts a blanket over my head. I physically feel it come over my head, over my body. I think to myself, someone just threw a blanket on top of me. And I open up my eyes, and there was no blanket on me, but I could feel it. But when I opened up my eyes and looked around the room, and I looked at people, I instantly knew stuff about every person in the room. I'd never experienced this before. I didn't even know what was happening. But it was a prophetic mantle that came on me. It was an anointing that came on me. And I soon was to discover when this anointing came on me, it would change me. It would empower me. It would cause me to do things I've never done before. And I didn't know what to do. So I just looked around the room and I just said everything that I saw. I was young. I was a freshman in college. I didn't know. I, I just said everything I saw, and God even let me see through walls. That, that mantle came on me so strong. There was a girl standing out in the hallway, and I'm not exaggerating. I'm not evangelistically speaking. I'm just telling you exactly what happened. She was standing out in the hallway behind a closed door having a conversation with God. She was talking to God. She was asking God a question. And she walked in through the door. And when she walked in, I looked at her. And I said, you were just standing on the outside of that door. 
and you were talking to God. And this is what you said to him. And I repeated her question to God. And then I said, and this is what God says to you. And God answered her. God is a living God. He hears everything we say. And he wants to communicate back to us. He wants to talk to us. And I began to learn as I stepped into the things of the Holy Spirit that the anointing would change me. That the anointing, the glory. See, I say anointing and glory, but they are two different things. The anointing is the outflow of God's power. The glory is the very essence of who God is himself. You know, when you find the glory, you find the anointing. It's, it's all intermingled, but the glory is the very person of God. It's his character, his nature, his attributes. It's his person. It's, it's who he is. It's his substance. It's the deepest substance of God. That's the glory. The glory is not just a goosebump or a chill that you feel in worship. The glory is much more than that. Much more. And I always said to God, God, I don't want just to teach a good message. I want your spirit to move. I always want to be in the center of where you're moving. Because I've seen, and I know too much, because when I was in college, I studied psychology. You know, sometimes you think if you could just figure people out, you could help them change. And sometimes you could change a little bit, but really, in all sincerity, I also discovered this. You could psychoanalyze yourself for five years. You could sit down and figure yourself out and figure out every moment in your life where something happened to you that was wrong that helped form you into the mess that you are today. <laughs> it's true. This person said that to me. This person rejected me here. This circumstance happened in my life. It caused this issue in me and that issue in me. And then all of a sudden, here you are. And you can figure it all out. But I discovered something. Just because you can figure out why you're a mess doesn't make you not a mess. It just means you understand your mess. But I'm telling you. There are things that the anointing can do in you that will change you and transform you into another person. And I believe not just temporarily change you, but permanently transform you. Because God doesn't want to just give us relief in his presence. He wants to give us transformation. So we don't come into the presence of God and get relief and then go out of the presence and still have the same issues. God wants us to come into the presence, get transformed by beholding him, transformed, not just relieved. Hallelujah. And God is so big that he is able to change us. And he's able to empower us. And yes, he's able to even anoint you in your weaknesses. Your weaknesses don't disqualify you from being used by God. Your weaknesses just keep you in a place of constant dependency upon God. And as long as you are constantly depending upon God and drawing from his grace, his strength will be constantly revealed through your weakness. Hallelujah. This is why you don't have to wait till you're perfected before God even uses you. God will use you even when you're a mess. He will. 
He uses people even when they're a mess. Number one rule of handling mics, never tap the mic. You damage it. No, it's okay. Praise God. <laughs> so how many here have some weaknesses in your life? How many have ever thought that those weaknesses would disqualify you from God using you? Well, I want you to understand that if you surrender yourself to God and you depend on his grace in your life. Every area of perceived weakness in your life, God can pour his anointing into you and release a manifestation of his strength where you're weak. And his anointing will change you. His anointing will transform you. And you know, and this is what I was saying, God is big enough that he can even Transform your weaknesses. How many hear what I'm saying tonight? See, because we're talking about revival, but look, if, if we can't even get a grip on our own lives, how are we going to transform the world? And we'll get to revival. We'll get there. Give me a few more minutes. We'll get there. In a few minutes, you're going to see worldwide global outpouring. Hallelujah. <laughs> But I've learned this too in the process. God does a work in us and then he multiplies that work through us. Whatever God does in you, he wants to multiply it through you. And I value, one of my highest values is the person and presence of the Holy Spirit. And as long as I live and have breath, and if I ever have anything to say about it, I will never quench the Holy Spirit grieve the Holy Spirit or shut the Holy Spirit down from doing what he wants to do. Because the last time I read my Bible, the Holy Spirit is God. 
But he can be quenched, he can be grieved, he can be resisted. And I think for too long, the church has put the Holy Spirit in a classroom on Wednesday night in the basement of the church. But meanwhile, God created the church to be the home of the Holy Spirit. Not just a classroom, but the whole house. God wants his whole house. He wants to fill his whole house with himself. Not just a classroom. And I'll tell you why I value the Holy Spirit so much. I value the Holy Spirit so much because I know there are hurting people in this world that without him, they're going to be stuck in their sin, stuck in their bondage, stuck in their torment. But I know that the Holy Spirit can set them free. How many want so much of the Holy Spirit in your life that freedom flows through you? To other people we have this treasure in earthen vessels we're made of clay but yet God has chosen to put this heavenly treasure inside of earthen vessels why so that the magnificence of the glory would be of him and not of us and you know more than anyone else you know yourself the best and when God moves through you, you more than anyone else should know that it is God and not you. Because the anointing has a way of making you look really good. And this is why we always have, have to have a reality check. That when God anoints you and God uses you, don't get all like, oh, look what God is doing in me. Look how anointed I am. No. You're clay. You're earth. But the splendor of the glory, God has trusted. And he has put it inside of you. And it will change you and people. I was in a meeting once. And I was preaching. And while I was preaching, a woman started to laugh. And I wasn't telling jokes. But she started to laugh. And I could see the looks of the people around her looking at her. Like, why are you laughing? This, you know, they weren't used to any type of thing like that in the spirit. But I knew in my heart that it was God. I knew it was Holy Spirit. So I let her laugh. She laughed the whole night. She didn't just laugh for a few minutes. She laughed my entire message. She laughed the whole altar call. She walked out of the church laughing. She got home laughing. She woke up her husband and children laughing. She fell asleep laughing. She woke up the next morning laughing. I mean, she was having a divine encounter of the presence and glory and anointing of God. A divine encounter. And she came back the next night and she comes up to me in the front of the church. And she says, I have to talk to you. I'm like, yes. She says, I was the woman laughing last night. And I said, I know. <laughs> and she said, but I have to tell you, you don't understand. You don't understand. She said, I've never laughed one day in my life. 
She said, not only that, she said, I can't even remember smiling one day in my life. She said, when I sat in this church last night, I sat here filled with depression, anger, self-hatred, bitterness, rage, hatred. She said, when I was a child growing up, I was put in the foster care system. And throughout my whole early childhood into my early teens, I was in nine foster homes. And she said, I was sexually assaulted and abused in every single home. Nine homes. This was her life. She said, I came to church last night filled with rage and bitterness from my life. And then I started laughing. She said, and I said to myself, why are you laughing? She didn't even understand it herself. She wasn't doing it because she saw someone else doing it or because, you know, this is a thing to do in church. No, she was genuinely laughing because God was performing a miracle. A miracle. A miracle where probably most people would say you are too broken, too abused, too messed up to be fixed. You're just going to be broken the rest of your life. Try to deal with it. Try to cope with it. Try to live and survive the best you can. Because that's how we'd look at it in the natural. But one night of laughing. <laughs> laughing. And she said, I was saying to myself, why are you laughing? Why? She didn't even understand it. She said, when I woke up the next morning, when I woke up out of sleep, she said, it felt like 10,000 pounds had lifted off of my life. She said, all the rage, all the bitterness, all the self-hatred was gone. Gone. Set free. In one night. Set free in one night. From years of abuse. Set free in one night. That's what the anointing will do. The anointing will change you. The anointing will heal you. The anointing will set you free. The anointing will deliver you. The anointing will break every yoke. And that word for break means demolish. It means break it to the point where it cannot return again. Hallelujah. It's not just take the yoke off and put it back on later. Take the yoke off, put it back on later. No, it's take the, the yoke off and demolish it and smash it to a million little pieces to the point where it can never come back on your life again. This is the transforming power of the anointing. And it's why the church needs the Holy Spirit. It's why we must allow the Holy Spirit to fill every part of his house. Because unless the spirit of truth and the spirit of deliverance and the spirit of anointing Fills every part of God's house. His people will walk in and out with the same issues and the same bondages and the same struggles year after year after year after year. And it happens in church every week. People walk in and they walk out carrying the same stuff. But if we were to invite the presence of God in and let God be God and let Holy Spirit have his way... The church would be way more whole, way more free, way more transformed. Because it's not just fixing up the outside. 
Come on, church. It's not just making the outside look good. It's not a superficial transformation. It's a deep, deep inward transformation of the heart. It's not just fixing someone up on the outside. It's getting to the deep places and letting the Holy Spirit come into the deep places. Hallelujah. Resurrection life. You see, the anointing brings resurrection life. Resurrection is bringing something that's dead back to life again. You could define resurrection as this. Either something, something that's dead. Revival, well, revival can be defined as bringing something back to life that is dying, in the process of dying, or dead. And when it's revived, it's brought back to life again. When it's resurrected... That's bringing something that's dead back to life again. And that's what the anointing does. It brings something that is dead. Something that looks hopeless. Something that looks like it can never change. And God brings it back to life again. God's able to resurrect areas of your soul. He's able to resurrect your physical body. He's able to resurrect your inner man. In other words, fill every part of you with supernatural life. So much so that you become a walking revival. See, because I really believe that revival is not just praying for something to come out here in the distance. I believe you can reach out your hand, touch the flame of God, begin burning with the spirit of the Lord, and you can become a walking revival. I said, you can become a walking revival. What does that mean? It means resurrection life is flowing in you and through you. Wherever you go, you are bringing things to life. Down to your bones. I'll tell you what, I want to be so filled with the Holy Spirit that my bones get anointed. That after I'm dead, I have a graveyard ministry. I've already told the Lord, I said, God, after I die, I want to have a graveyard ministry. People come over my tombstone in the cemetery and they get slain out in the cemetery. I want so much anointing in my bones that it comes up through the dirt, through the grass, into every person that walks over my tombstone. I love one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible, 2 Kings 13, 21. Elisha was dead. His bones were in the grave. As a man was being buried... And put down into Elisha's grave, the dead man touched Elisha's bones and was revived and came back to life again. It's the only account in scripture where a dead man raises a dead man from the dead. A dead man raises a dead man. Because the anointing is in his bones. You can be so anointed that your bones are anointed. So saturated with God that even after your spirit leaves your body, a residual anointing is even left inside of your bones. Jeremiah said, there's a fire shut up on the inside of my bones. I'll tell you what, I believe that anointing gets all in you. It gets in your spirit, in your soul, in your body. And even after you go, your body still contains residual anointing. That's what I'm talking about when I say be possessed by the Holy Spirit. 
possessed spirit, soul, and body. Totally saturated and taken over by God. Hallelujah. Oh, and wherever he fills, he brings life. He brings life. And when I was flying into Australia on the plane, on the beginning of this trip, and we were landing, and I was seeing the Australian landscape, the scripture of Isaiah 60 came into my heart, where it says, Arise and shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. And verse 2 says, his glory shall be seen on you. His glory shall be seen on you. The glory is not a hidden glory. It is a very visible thing. And God wants so much of the glory on the church that it's seen on us. And I believe it's a word over Australia. That God is arising and shining over this nation. And God is arising and shining over the church. And the glory of God will be seen covering this whole land. And the glory will be seen covering his people. Even though darkness is in the earth, the glory will arise and shine upon you. And within you. And it's time to get up. Shake off, shake off the stuff, shake off the world, shake off discouragement, shake off lethargy, shake off complacency, shake it all off and start to shine. Because that's what the Amplified says, arise, look what it says, arise from the depression in which circumstances have kept you. Get up from the discouragement that the natural circumstances around you try to put you in. Rise to a new life and shine. Be radiant with the glory of the Lord. Now, this scripture is very specific. It says arise and shine. It doesn't say arise and reflect. Because there's a difference between old covenant glory and new covenant glory and for the church for us it's not just the glory upon us it's the glory within us moses reflected an external glory and i could go deeper into this tonight but i just want to briefly touch on it moses reflected an external glory he beheld the glory his face literally shone with white light he had to put a veil over it because of the fading glory because as he went away from the glory, it would fade off his face. And then he'd go back to look at the glory and his face would shine again. But us, with unveiled hearts, behold the glory of the Lord, are transformed into his image. And that glory is not a fading glory, it's an ever-increasing glory. It's a glory that brings us from glory to glory to glory to glory. It's not a glory fading, glory fading. It's glory, 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 glory. And it's not something reflecting off of us. It's something shining from within us because now the glory is on the inside of you. So when the Bible says arise and shine, it really means arise and shine. It means the internal glory that is on the inside of you that looks like brilliant, blinding light in your inner man if you were to see yourself in the spirit you look like a walking light bulb it's what you look like in the spirit you look like a walking light bulb and it shines it literally radiates out from your inner man light radiates out from on the inside of you 
And you're called to shine. Hallelujah. And it's not fading. It's ever increasing. Which means our whole earthly journey is a process of going from one degree of glory to another degree of glory. From, from one degree of us radiating the image of Christ to higher degrees of us radiating the image of Christ. I know. Some Christians are very deep Christians. Jesus is inside of them. They're, he's very deep inside of them. But sometimes he's so deep, you just have to look really hard to find him. But Jesus doesn't want to just be deep inside of us. I got Jesus in my heart, but nowhere else on the outside. No. God wants to bring us from so much one degree to another degree, from glory to glory to glory to glory, to the point where our life, every part of us is radiating the very image of God himself. The very nature of God, the very mind of God, the very heart of God. What is it as a believer to radiate the image of Christ that he'd be seen on us? That his words would be heard through us? His thoughts would come through our lives, his ways? His thoughts, his heart, his behavior, his actions, his attitudes, all of it radiating from us. How many want that? You know, I really believe the more Christ-like we become, the more his glory is seen on us. I really do. I believe the more we become like Jesus, the more his glory will be physically seen upon us. And sometimes people, God gives them vision to actually see the glory on you. I'll never forget it when I came into a meeting and this man came walking up to me. And he was crying. He was trembling. He was physically trembling. And he was sitting out in the crowd. It was not my service. It was not my meeting. I was attending someone else's meeting and there was maybe four or 5,000 people in the room. And I'm standing in the front and a man walks up to me and he's shaking and he's looking up at me and he says, I see, I see the glory. He could physically see the glory. I remember years back, my mom told me a story. She was walking through the mall. She has a good shopping anointing. She was walking through the mall, and a girl comes physically running after her in the mall, running after her, and grabs her, and says, I need to talk to you. And my mom turns around, she's like, what is it? And she says, I don't know what it is. There's something about you that I just feel I need to talk to you. There's, I see something on you. I see, she didn't know how to put it into words. But she was being touched by the glory of God that was radiating from my mom. And then my mom was able to share the whole gospel with this girl. You see, I believe when the church really reflects the image and radiates the glory, 
that we won't have to run after people, they'll run after us. We won't even have to try to get people saved. They'll just be getting saved. Arise from the depression that circumstances try to keep you in. You know, that's a choice. It is a choice to get up and to shake off discouragement and to shake off circumstances that would try to keep you down. Because here's a revelation. No one's life is perfect. Even when it looks like someone's life is perfect, no one's life is perfect. And if you compare your life with someone else's life, it's all perspective. Someone always has it worse than you. Even if you think you have it the worst, there's still someone else who has it worse. It's true. And sometimes such little things become such big things. Isn't that true? Sometimes in our day-to-day life, such little petty things that really have no eternal significance become such a big thing. And we let those things distract us. And we let those things discourage us. Meanwhile, we have eternal life on the inside of us. We're saved. We're going to heaven. If that's the only thing you could thank God about, start with that. Come on. How many hear what I'm saying tonight? Because God wants to release resurrection power through us. He wants to release resurrection power. How many want to walk in resurrection power? I believe God has called this church to walk in resurrection power. I believe God has called this church to raise the dead. God has called this church to walk in signs and wonders. God has called this church to radiate the glory. God has called this church to release the glory of God over a whole city, a whole region, a whole country. God has called this church and the people in this church, even with all of your weaknesses and all of your personal private struggles, God has called you. And in the midst of your weakness, he's going to make you strong. And in your earthen vessel, he's going to radiate his glory through you. Hallelujah. And he's going to keep cooking you. And when you feel like you're in the oven, praise God. Stay in there. Don't jump out. Let him fully cook you. You don't want to be a half-baked Christian. You know, sometimes the church is like a bowl of cereal. It has flakes, fruits, and nuts in it. God doesn't want you to be a bowl of cereal. He wants to fully cook you. He wants to fully do that work in you and... It's the value of the anointing. It's the value of the glory. It's the value of his presence in us. That he'll change us. And I just want to say this. All of us in this room, we're a work in progress. Right? We're all a work in progress. Even the most anointed person on the planet that you could think of. 
that you say this person has the highest anointing I've ever seen on any individual walking the earth. Even that person is a work in progress. Trust me, the anointing can make people look way better than they actually are. It's true. And usually you only see the fruit when you get up close. Because everything looks good from a distance. But once you get up close, that's when you smell the bad breath. It's when you smell the B.O. When you get up close, when you're at a distance, everything smells great. Everything looks great. Right? Praise the Lord. But we are all a work in progress. And sometimes if you feel you're not changing fast enough, well, praise God. <laughs> if, if you, I do have a thought in my brain. I'm just trying to speak it. If, if, you, if you feel like you're not changing fast enough, don't let it discourage you. Because look, if you look back over your life, you're not the same person you were. And usually you don't notice growth right up close. You know? Anyone ever have growing pains as a kid? I had growing pains as a kid. My feet would hurt. The top of my feet would hurt and I'd cry. And my mom would bring me to the doctor and say, what's wrong with my son? He just has pain in his feet and legs and he's just crying. And the doctor's like, it's growing pains. His bones are growing faster than his feet. <laughs> and it hurts. <laughs> and I remember going through an awkward phase, looking down at my feet, and my feet looked bigger than my body. I'm like, something is not right with the proportions of my body. My feet look too big. Because they were growing faster than the rest of my body, and they hurt. But honestly, if I looked at my feet, I didn't physically see them growing. I didn't look at my feet and see my feet growing. They looked the same, but they were hurting. There was growth happening, but I couldn't perceive it in the moment. I felt pain in the moment. And sometimes when you're feeling pain in your life is when growth is actually happening. And it's like after some time goes by and you look back, you're like, oh, the rest of my body grew to match my feet. Praise God. And growth happened, but you didn't notice it right away. It's the same thing. When resurrection power is touching our lives and God's strength is being made perfect in our weaknesses, there is transformation happening. There is radiations of God's presence happening, but we don't always see it right up front. So even when you think nothing's happening, something is happening. God's always working. Holy Spirit is always working even when it doesn't look like it. So praise God. You may be a mess, but you won't be a mess forever. Amen. That's something to get happy about. 
Praise God. I won't be a mess forever. And I've said it before. God will make your mess and turn it into a message. You got to write that one down in your notes. God will take your mess and make it a message. You'll be a living word. Some of you got to buy this tape and buy the CD and send it to someone you love. Say, God's going to take your mess and make it a message. I'm going to buy this CD for you for Christmas. Here you go. Put it in your stocking. Change already. <laughs> and look, look, don't try to change everyone around you. Just deal with yourself. That's enough to deal with. Because if you, if you try to be the change agent in someone's life, it's just going to frustrate you. <laughs> yeah. If you... If you try to be the change agent, you're going to be frustrated. You're going to be annoyed. You're going to get angry. You're not going to be like Jesus. Let God be the change agent. Hallelujah. God has ways of changing you. You know, can I just share one more thing before I say amen and close? No? Okay. No one answers me. I'm like, oh, praise God. Better shut up and sit down now. <laughs> like I said, sometimes when you're feeling pain, you're actually growing. And one of the ways God changes us, it's not all like, it's not, change is not always this super spiritual glory cloud that fills you with smoke and then all of a sudden you're different. The glory and the anointing is always at work in you. But sometimes God will change you by putting you in an uncomfortable place. And when he puts you in an uncomfortable place, he will allow your bush, your, your bushins, your, your shakarabanda. He will allow your buttons to be pushed. Your bushins, your buttons to be pushed. Yep. And God will anoint people to push your buttons. They will be anointed to make sure you die. God allows it. God allows it. He, he allows it. I remember when I'm home in New York. Because I'm in night meetings, I would sleep in in the morning a little bit. I did not like getting up early in the morning. 
And it was always very peaceful and very quiet. And then a neighbor moved in next door. And they brought this thing. They brought this little dog. <laughs> I call it a devil dog. <laughs> this little thing. And one morning at 6 in the morning, I wake up from my sleep. And I hear this sound. And I think it's my alarm clock. And I'm hitting my alarm clock. And it's not going off. And then I'm in the dark. I'm stumbling around my room in the dark, trying to find out where the sound is coming from. And I go over to the window, and I lift the blind up, and I open the window, and I realize the sound is coming from the other side of the fence. And it's a little devil dog. <laughs> Nonstop. Every morning at 6 a.m. I got a burden to pray, and I was interceding, and I'm like, and I was not interceding with joy, and I was not interceding with love. I was interceding. I was saying, God, get rid of that dog. God, speak to the neighbor to put the dog away, and if the neighbor doesn't put the dog away, move the neighbor. I mean, I'm praying. I'm praying all these prayers. They were not in the spirit. They were all my flesh prayers. Sometimes we have to pray flesh prayers before we pray Holy Spirit prayers. I'm like, go, get rid of the dog, get rid of the neighbor, get him out. <laughs> They're robbing my peace, robbing my sleep. I'm a revivalist. I need the anointing. I need to sleep to have the anointing. And every day this dog, this dog would bark and bark and bark and bark and bark. And I started having visions as I'm praying. I would go into visions because I know earlier that year my parents in their house they had put these bird feeders up in their house and all the birds were coming but then the neighbor had rats and all the rats were running into their backyard to eat the bird food so my dad put rat poison out to kill all the rats and I started having visions of rat poison and I'm like Jesus one little piece so then I'm praying and praying and praying and praying and nothing is changing nothing is changing God is not intervening in my circumstances and I'm on a plane, I'm flying to another part of the country, and I get the magazine out from the plane, I'm looking through the Sky Mall. They sell this stuff up in the air, in the Sky Mall, in the magazine. And I'm looking through the Sky Mall, and I see a birdhouse. But the big letters on the birdhouse say, Dog Silencer. And I'm reading it, and it says it releases a high-pitched frequency that when a dog barks, it releases it, and the dog hears it, and it gets quiet. So I'm like, huh, I'm going to buy a whole bunch of these and line my whole fence with birdhouses. <laughs> it's going to be like an atomic high-pitched against that dog. <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to fix that dog. And I get this birdhouse and I put it on the fence and I point it right down at the dog. 
And I put it all the way up on maximum volume. And the dog stood there and barked at it. So then I went back and I reread the instructions and it said it will not work for 5% of dogs. The little annoying ones with really high pitched barks. No, it didn't say that, but it said it won't work for 5%. I'm like, 5% figure dog, you are part of 5%. So I'm frustrated. I'm not feeling peace. I'm not feeling joy. I'm getting woken up in the morning. This is not good. My whole life is interrupted by this dog. And I'm praying, 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 praying. Then I finally just realized, I'm like, okay, God, this is not changing. And I pray this prayer. God, change me. That's why I prayed, God, change me. God, give me grace to not even care about this dog barking anymore. You know what? The next day I woke up and I heard the dog bark and I had a totally different reaction. I was like, good morning, doggy. <laughs> it's true. I was shocked. I was shocked. I was actually saying good morning to the dog. I was like, good morning, doggy. I'm talking out my window to the fence. Good morning, doggy. Nice little doggy. Cute little doggy. And I was totally unbothered. I was unbothered. No more, no more bother, no more, no more bother. <laughs> I was great. I was like, praise God, I love you, dog. You're a cute little doggy. Cute little high-pitched bark little doggy. Nice little doggy. And I honestly did not care at all. One week goes by and the dog disappears. And it was not by me. I, it was not by me. <laughs> but that dog was never heard again barking in the morning. I think the neighbor just decided to keep the dog inside. And I learned a big lesson. God let that circumstance say the same until I changed. And then once I changed, then the circumstance changed. But even if the circumstance didn't change, I still had peace. God did something in me. He changed me. And this is what God does. And it's part of the process. It's not always this glory, you know, having a vision of heaven and all of a sudden you're changed. No, sometimes it's just God putting you in an uncomfortable place that causes you to get irritated. But then in the process of that, something in you changes by the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. This is important because there are going to be some people in, in your life that you can't change. No matter how hard you try. You marry them that way, they are that way. Look, 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 look. I know we can be refined and we can be transformed, but some basic personality temperaments are what they are. They were born that way, they're going to die that way. And you're trying to change something that God just created them that way and praise God. You married them and you said to yourself, I'm going to change them when I marry them. No, well, you got a revelation. <laughs> Hallelujah. We got to learn this. Because otherwise, in life, with circumstances outside of our control, we're always going to be getting frustrated by things. It's much better to let God change you or grace you he graces you 
And that grace transforms you. The anointing transforms you into another person. And then you have joy. You have peace. You have rest. You have God's presence. Even if everything stays the same, you're different. You're shining. You're radiating. Glory to God. Amen. So right now, God's going to put an anointing of grace upon you to die. I was in a church once, and I'm going to close with this. I was in a church once, and the person was preaching on martyrdom, being a martyr for Jesus. And they gave an altar call. If you feel called to be a martyr, come forward. I'm like, I am not coming forward for that altar call. I'm praying for the rapture. I'm not praying for martyrdom. And all these people went forward. They're like, oh, Jesus. They're all crying. Like, yeah, I'm going to be a martyr. I'm going to be a martyr. And like the ministers going around praying for people all getting slain out. And it was the best. Is the, one of the prayer ladies, you know, they throw the blankets on people. And she was throwing blankets on people. And every time she threw a blanket on someone, she's like, better you than me. That's <laughs> what so she did. She went around the whole altar. Better you than me. Better you than me. <laughs> better you than me. I'll fly away, oh glory. And she's like singing, I'll fly away. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't necessarily go forward for an altar call for martyrdom, but, but yet God does want to kill you. Hallelujah. But when he kills you, he doesn't just leave you dead. He resurrects you. He gives you resurrection life, resurrection power. And that's what this is all about. Resurrection life, resurrection power. So how many want resurrection power? Stand up. Grace. How many want grace in every area of weakness? That God will grace you. That even if a circumstance doesn't change, you'll change. And you'll have joy, you'll have peace, you'll have rest, you'll have God's presence. Hallelujah. Father, right now, I pray in the name of Jesus all over this room. God, Paul said, I boast in my weakness. Lord, because your strength was made perfect in weakness. So I pray right now in every weakness that we have as people, every weakness we have as individuals, Father, let your strength, let your grace, let your resurrection power touch every area in the name of Jesus. Father, grace for transformation. Grace for radiation of the glory. Radiation of the inner glory to shine through your people in the name of Jesus. Father, we just give you thanks right now that we are not the same as we were. We are changing, and we will continue to change.
And we will continue to be transfigured into your very image. And Father, every area of us will radiate and shine the glory of God. And Lord, I pray for the church in Sunshine Coast. I pray for poured out church. Lord, I pray for poured out church for such a supernatural grace to be on this house. That each one would be conformed and transformed into the image of Christ. That the light and the glory of God would shine through this house to the whole region. But Father, I pray that it would start in the homes. Father, I pray it would start in the workplaces. Father, let it start in the families. Lord, let the glory be, be seen in the families. Father, let your presence shine within the homes. Shokarabashandorobosh, kiarabashande. Pour it out, pour it out.